رادیو رومی Hi everyone, this is Fatima Keshavarz welcoming you back to the 42nd episode of Radio Rumi. Yes, it's almost hard to believe, but this is the 42nd time that we are talking to each other about Rumi and we still have amazing pearls to take out of this vast ocean. Isn't that lucky? So, you have all been dealing with weeks of sitting at home and trying to keep distances during the shelter-at-home attempts in order to stop the killer virus that has been harming many human beings on the face of the earth over the past few months. My heart goes out to you all particularly to those of you who might have personally suffered from the illness, or worse still, you may have lost a loved one to this illness. These have been trying times. Last time, we talked about how this illness could be a mirror in which we could see a lot about ourselves. Pick the good ones and try to change the ones that we don't like as we look at. In other words, there could be some good things that could come out of these trying days. A friend just told me that as she talked to a relative in the city of Tehran in Iran, she heard that they can see the blue sky after a very long time. We all heard that in Venice, The water was so clean we could see the fish again. And today, another friend told us that as he drove on the highway, he found lots of birds landing on the highways. Somehow, with the cars away, the birds felt that that space could be enjoyed by them for a while. I also want to remind us all that part of what makes these days difficult is that we feel our lives are changing in ways that we didn't plan, in ways that we don't seem to have a lot of control over. But perhaps it's good to remember that as long as we care for each other, that we enjoy beauty, that we try to help those who need our help, that we do something meaningful with our lives, As long as we do these things, our lives are not going to change in ways that we don't want them to. And with that thought, I want to take us to Rumi, and I want to open with a concept that is fundamental to his philosophy and has always, always been a part of our conversations about Rumi, and that's the concept of hope or omid. 
don't forget that he lived in very difficult times. These were years after the Mongol invasion of the region of Anatolia and many other parts of present-day's Middle East had been invaded. In other words, it was a wartime experience which had all kinds of issues that come with war. Shortage of food, illnesses they didn't know how to deal with, more poverty than usual, and basically a lot of hardship. And under those circumstances, Rumi always, always spoke of hope. And one thing that I want to particularly emphasize is that very often when we think of hope, it's something that comes from the outside to us. It's like we have great success in something and it gives us hope. Or somebody very dear to our hearts arrives to see us and that gives us hope. We achieve success in a test or in a job and that gives us hope. We are promoted. We become more hopeful. Well, of course, these are all very normal human things, but that's not the hope that Rumi is talking about. The hope that he's talking about is existential. It's a part of our existence because from his perspective, the way we were created, the moment God created us, God also made a covenant of love and connectedness with us. And we accepted that covenant. Isn't that fascinating? Because from that perspective, even there, we are not just a receiver. We reciprocate and say to God, yes, yes, I am going to be your partner. So that hope, which is at the core of our being, remains an active hope, a hope that we have to refresh, rebuild, and fill the container of our hearts with it. Here's one line. Del poromid kono seigaliyeshteh besafa. Del poromid kono seigaliyeshteh besafa ke dele pauketo aoineye khorshid farast. Fill your heart with hope and polish it. That's polish your heart with purity. Safa. And I want to say a word about that. That's not the kind of purity that you gain after mortifying and suffering. And, you know, sometimes we think in order to be purified, we have to give up a lot of things and isolate ourselves and get into a lot of suffering. That's not his perception of Safa. That Safa that he's talking about comes from openness to beauty, openness to love, openness to the natural connection that we have with the sacred in the world. So when he says, and polish your heart with purity, that means allow it to open up to the good, to the beautiful, and to the sacred around you. Fill your heart with hope and polish it with purity of intention for your purified heart is the mirror in which the light of the sun gets reflected 
Actually, he says آینه خورشید فر, which means the mirror that has the glory of the sun. But how does the mirror get the glory of the sun? By staying pure and clean and allowing the sun to be reflected in it. And then another quatrain. Um, no, I'm sorry, it's not a quatrain. Just two lines from a ghazal. In these two lines, he refers to that covenant with the divine at the beginning of creation. He says, Halqa halqa aashqaan o bidelan bar omid buy Throngs of lovers came hoping for the scent of the beloved, for the ability to sense the beloved. Bolbolaun masto mastaun alast. Intoxicated nightingales and those human beings drunk from pre-eternity, alas, that's the moment of covenant with God, they all came in the hope of flowers in the flower garden. In other words, we have come here to seek that hope, to work, to build that hope. And there is good reason, he would tell us, to think that that hope is not misplaced. Because that sacred, that goodness, wants us to be there and is waiting for us. In other words, there is a reason why so much beauty is out there. Because it needs to be seen. In other words, by gazing at that beauty, by acknowledging it, we actively help it exist in a meaningful way. Now, here's the Rubai that says all of that. And it's actually attributed to Rumi, so some would say this may not be Rumi. But possibly it was attributed to him because it's so much like the way he thinks. And here it is. Now, in this, the sacred is talking to us human beings. Bazao, bazao, haranchasti, bazao. Bazao, bazao, haranchasti, bazao, garkao, feru gap robot parasti, bazao. In dargahemao, dargahenomi di nist. In dargahemao, dargahenomi di nist, sadbar agar, tobeshekasti, bazao. Come back, come back. Whoever you are, whatever you are, come back. If you are a non-believer, if you are a fire worshipper, if you are an idol worshipper, come back. In other words, what matters is your desire to come towards me, the sacred, and be connected with me. That matters more than anything else, including who you are. In my abode where I live. Again, God speaking, the sacred speaking. My palace, my abode where I live is not a place of hopelessness. If you broke your vows a hundred times, I don't care. Just come back. In other words, the most important thing in life is to actively personally seeking that sacred, looking for it and opening up to it from Rumi's perspective. Now, very often we see our lives 
in terms of victory or defeat, of loss and gain. In short, in a kind of transactional way. We are trained to do that. Being accepted in a test, getting a job we offered to, getting something good for the money we pay, basically gaining things and avoiding losing things. Now, of course, we are human beings. Our resources are limited. Nobody can expect us to not care about what we gain or lose. But it becomes an issue when this is our only way to interact with life. What we can gain from it and one we can protect from losing. I began to think about this actually because of this shelter in place that we are dealing with these days. I had read this poem many times in which Rumi says, I'm free of this, I'm free of this, I'm free of that, you know, and I appreciated it, but I never understood it to this degree that it seems to be a translation of our lives into a kind of transactional relationship with our lives. Give and take, give and take. So let me read it. باروی تو ز سبز و گلزار فارغیم باروی تو ز سبز و گلزار فارغیم با چشم تو ز باده و خمار فارغیم With the beauty of your face, I no longer need to worry about seeing flowers and green meadows. Of course, he's not denying that beauty. He's just saying, I'm not bound by that. With that intoxicating glance from your eyes, I am free from wine and from the wine bearer. And again, notice that the refrain in this ghazal, that's the word that comes after the rhyme, Gulzar, Khammar, Kar, Khamkhar, these are rhymes. The word that comes after it, Faregim, I am free from. That is the refrain. Rahdikedoshtim Beyagmau Bebord Eshr Dokan Kharao Kardevo Askar Faregim. The clothes I had, the belongings I had. Love stole them all. I have closed shop. No longer worried about working. Again, he doesn't mean it in a literal sense. Of course, as human beings, we need to work. But we are no longer imprisoned by them, entangled in them. We do work, but we are free from the anxiety of what we are giving and what we are taking. Qamra che zahr baashad ta naam ma barad dasti bazan ke az qam o qam khar fawriqin. There's amazing music in this and he's actually talking about clapping and dancing. Qamra che zahr baashad ta naam ma barad dasti bazan ke az qam o qam khar fawriqin. What courage has sadness to mention my name, meaning come anywhere near me. Clap your hands, dance, because I'm free of sadness. 
and free from needing to be pacified from sadness. قمرا چه زهره باشد تا نام ما برد دستی بزن که از غم و غم خار فارغیم. ما را مسلم آمد شادی و خوشدلی که از باد و بود و اندک و بسیار فارغیم. Now here he wraps up the whole philosophy of this because he uses the word bad meaning I hope it be like zendebad I hope you stay alive and bud from the verb to be in the past. So bad bud is what I hope to be and what I know happened in the past. Now put it in the context of the poem. مارا مسلم آمد شادی و خوشدلی Happiness and a heart filled with joy is for me without the shadow of a doubt It's مسلم certain Why? Because Because باد و بود و اندک و بسیار فارغیم Because I'm free from I hope this to be I know this was in the past and Little and large, less and more. In other words, happiness is my belonging for sure and a, and a heart filled with joy because I am free from what happened in the past and what will happen in the future and what is less and what is more and how to transaction with life. And then... He ends this conversation in a very beautiful way. He says, When love gives you a lesson, you do not forget it because it's an experiential lesson. And knowing with your feelings, with your heart, not just with your memory. How could a lesson that love gives you be forgotten ever? As bahso as jedal o tekrar let me stop arguing, proving this, and repeating it. In other words, accept this by allowing it to be ingrained in us by love. Why would he be so much in favor of freeing oneself from these preoccupations? these constant thoughts about sadness and happiness and losing and gaining and so forth. Why? Well, quite apart from how they might make us suffer, it is because he wants us to be hazer, present in life. There are lots of gems that come out of Rumi's words, as I'm sure you can testify to as well. But if you ask me to come up with two or three major concepts, one of them is presence. Is living one's life intentionally with awareness and being there for things that happen around us, as opposed to walking as if we are walking in our sleep and we are not noticing anything around us. It's really interesting because Right after he wants you to be intentional about life, he immediately reminds you that your intentionality itself can blind you to things. In other words, it's not so much the one thing 
that's good or bad. It's the way we let it impact us, what it means to us, and what we do to put it to good use in our lives. How could our singular goals or intentionality blind us? Here's one thing he says in one of his sermons. اگر چا لم را همی گشتی چون برای اون نگشتی تو را باری دیگر می باید گردیدن گرد آلم. If you traveled the whole world but you did not do it with the right intention with the right presence برای او in this case for the sacred for the truth supreme for God for the sacred in yourself whatever you define it as. If you traveled the whole world, but not for that good purpose, you have to make that journey one more time around the world. And why? Because if you did that, but not for the right reason, but for something else, say accumulating wealth, just for the sake of an example, that intention could become a curtain and prevent you from being present during that whole journey. And then he gives you an example because sometimes some of these concepts are really difficult to reduce to something that we can wrap our minds around. So he gives us this example. Hamchanan ke dar bazar kasi ra chun bejet talab koni. If you are walking in a crowded bazaar, which was of course like the highway these days or the streets of these days, crowded with shoppers and, and those who were passing by. If you are in that market and you're looking for one person, you will not see anybody else because you're waiting to see that one person. Everyone else who passes by, it's like a vague imagination, not like a real person. Hamchanan ke dar bazar kasi ra, chun be jet talab koni, hiç kas ra nabini. Va agar bini khalq ra chun khiyal bini. If you're passing by in a bazar, looking for one person, you're going to miss everybody else because your eyes and your mind are filled with the expectation of seeing that person. You're not present to everybody who passes by. And then he gives also another example. Or it's like you're looking for one particular issue or reference in a book. You're turning the pages to find it. On the face of it, you're going through the book. But actually, you don't see anything on those pages because you are looking for that one issue. In other words, allow yourself to be present and open to everything that happens around you. Now, I want to also remind us of how Rumi's poetry fits our feelings and our experiences these days in another respect, and that is the connectedness with the rest of the globe. 
that is acknowledging the presence of everybody else on this planet and the finite nature of this planet and how we should actually see the significance of this global presence of humanity. And it's hard for us to see, but the virus, the virus uses that globe democratically and without any particular attention to poor or rich or strong or just spreads everywhere. Now, maybe that's something we need to learn from that virus. It propagates itself, procreates itself by going to everyone and being connected to everyone. Now, I'm saying that, of course, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, the virus is not conscious. But we can still learn from it. Also, we can learn from it because we need each other in ways that we have not needed each other or have not understood needing each other, at least not in my lifetime. If we need to have traveling strategies, we need to do it across the globe. We need equipment, medication. We need help from across the globe. It doesn't matter if we are the United States of America, the greatest power on earth. We still need other people, their tools, their thoughts, their ability to strategize, to join us to face this virus. We have also learned that we need each other's research. I just read that in Switzerland, a team of scientists headed by an Iranian physician and one Spanish physician have all been working together trying to find some ways of defeating the virus. What is that if it is not global? So that global connection, understanding it, is crucial to our survival. It's also crucial to understand other people's needs in weaker and poorer countries in the world. Because that's the only way, even if our heart's goodness doesn't care for that, which I hope it does in many, many cases, and I'm sure it does in many cases. If it's just simply for the sake of defeating the virus, we need to think globally, and we need to protect our earth, our environment, our waters, our air, and the rest of what this planet has given us, again, in a global context. Perhaps this virus and the wisdom that Rumi is giving us in relation to these sufferings teaches us that lesson that we need to give up the trap of self-exceptionalization, seeing ourselves as exceptions, as separate from the rest of the world, and put ourselves in the context of a global world that needs a global effort to get rid of this virus and other causes of human suffering like poverty and malnourishment and war and all kinds of things that cause pain and suffering. Isn't it interesting that Rumi understood that? It must have been difficult for his contemporaries also to understand it because he wrote this poem to make them see that they are all the same. And he sees himself as that. 
چه تدبیر مسلمانان که من خود را نمیدانم نه ترسا نه یهودم من نه گبرم نه مسلمانم This is a poem that we have read before, but I think it's worth reading a hundred times. And look what he does. He puts it in the context of himself. What can I do? Or what shall I do? Oh, Muslims, meaning oh people, my co-religionists. I don't know myself. I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Jew. I'm not a Zoroastrian. And I'm not a Muslim. Isn't that fascinating? What he's saying is, You cannot fit me into any of those molds, conventions. Na Sharqiyam, na Qarbiyam, na Barriyam, na Bahriyam, na Zarkan Tabiiyam, na az Aflaq Gardanam, na az Khawkam, na az Baudam, na az Abam, na az Atash, na az Arsham, na az Farsham, na az Kounam, na az Kounam. I'm not from the east nor of the west, not from the earth, not from the sea, not from the natural substances, not from heavenly bodies. I'm not from dust or the wind or water or fire or God's throne or the surface of the earth. I am not from anywhere. Makonam lo makon مکانم لا مکان باشد نشانم بین نشان باشد نه تن باشد نه جان باشد که من از جان جانانم I'm not from a place My place is placelessness My address is having no address My place is not my body is not my soul I belong to the soul of the soul of the beloved And How have I achieved this? Doi as khud burun kardam. Doi as khud burun kardam da'alam ra yeki didam. Yeki juyam, yeki guyam. Yeki da'unam, yeki khawunam. I gave up thinking about us and them being two different bodies. In other words, I gave up that exceptionalism. I am better than others. I gave that up. I saw all as one, one globe, one earth, and even one afterlife. This life and afterlife, that's what he means. I seek one. I talk about one. I know that all is one. And I am only going to speak about one existence, all of us together. On that amazing note, let me wish you a happy and healthy few weeks ahead of us until we talk again. Keep doing all the good things you have been doing in your shelter in place. I am sure that Very soon, we will speak about these days as days passed. Goodbye.